live in very cynical times. You know, they're, they're very mean-spirited, they're very cynical. It's very hip to be, to make fun of people and put them down and, and kind of, everything is super hip, you know, in terms of everybody's put down for everything. And, and this is the big criticism of Star Wars in the beginning was it's, you know, it's naive, it's sort of hope-filled, it's uh, very young, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's everything anti-hip, you know. It's kind of wide-eyed and optimistic and what a one you know, it's very Pollyanna-ish in its optimism. I think people just need that little bonbon in their life, that little thing that says, you know, it's not a terrible world. Nobody you know, you aren't that bad. Everything's kinda okay. You know, you can you know, yeah, there are bad people in the world and you have bad inside you, but you can overcome that. Uh, and I think, you know, as silly as it is, it's that's something that's necessary in a society. What? 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 Milkers everywhere. Welcome to episode number 200 of Blast Points. This is Jason. This is Gabe. It's been 200 episodes. This is the end of what our fourth year. Yeah. And we've been leading towards episode nine this whole time. <laughs> it's finally here. We finally saw it. We're so tired. I did, yeah, two times on Thursday night, and we're recording this on Friday night, and I did two times today. Pretty much all I've done for the past 28 hours is basically watch the Rides of Skywalker, basically. Yeah, I, I did it twice last night, and then I saw it again today, so I'm only at three times, but I'm seeing it again tomorrow with, with the family, so... Uh, I don't think I slept at all last night. <laughs> I, I finally went to sleep at like 3 a.m. where I was like, oh, my God, I've got to go again really soon. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you got up early to go see it again because I tried to sleep in. I had to get up and get the kids ready for school or at least make sure they were alive. And then I went back to sleep. <laughs> I was I was laying in bed and I heard the voice of Qui-Gon. Get up. Jason, stand up. <laughs> There's still school today. <laughs> We're all behind you, Jason. You have to get up. You have to go again. <laughs> well, ha- have you heard there's a new Star Wars movie out? <laughs> the Rise of Skywalker is out, and uh, opinions are all over the place. It's wild out there. It's getting crazy out there. Uh, it's, it's the uh, the final battle in the Skywalker saga. Is uh 
is creeped out into the real world. They don't have a navy. It's people. <laughs> people are fighting right now. I, I've I've read a lot of stuff. I've listened to a lot of other podcasts, and you know, there's there's a lot of extremely valid points out there. I mean, people's opinions are all over the place with this thing, and yeah, it's it's a star war in real life. Like you're saying, it's people are. Yeah, friends have become enemies, and it's it's getting it's getting a little ugly out there. But I get it. Uh, we don't necessarily, I think, one hundred percent agree on this movie, which we'll get into. But it's a Star Wars movie. People are invested in this stuff, and people have feelings about this stuff. And if this movie was supposed to uni- unite everyone, I don't <laughs> know that it quite worked out the way it they hoped. It's it is. It's like we're, we're living the re, the revenge of the Sith crawl. It's like war. There are heroes on both sides. Everyone's right because it's personal. It's a personal thing. But hopefully, we can be civil about this. And you know, Mandalorian's back in a week. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah and it's, it's and it's it's people's opinions, and there's no right or wrong when it comes to opinions. It's it's. It's it's a thing, and it's it's how it made people feel. And the best friends you have in life, you're not going to agree on everything all the time. So I'm not ripping up my friendship bracelets with anybody here. You know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the internet could be a scary place for a while. Things could get real weird. But if you're a Star Wars fan, but hey, what else is new, right? Thank. <laughs> Good thing we didn't have. Twitter during the prequels. Good Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's like we were talking about last week. It's like the old movies still exist. Your old favorites still exist. You can, if you only want to watch four, five, and six, it exists and it's a thing. If you want to watch one, two, three, four, five, six, it exists and it's a thing. And if you're into one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, it exists and it's a thing. And if you want to pretend it stops at eight, you can. People pretended episode one didn't exist for years now. And it's like, whatever, whatever you got to do, whatever you like, you know, it's all there. The rise of Skywalker is powerful and game changing. It is time that she learned. A story. Nothing can prepare you for the end. Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Rated PT-13. Now playing. Okay, so Gabe, as of it's been out for a day, how do you stand on The Rise of Skywalker? I am very middle on this. I I had a weird reaction the first time. Like, well, if you know me and Jason, we have been reading what this movie is for. Geez, when did all the all the scoops come out? Like two months ago. I feel like it was like over the summer where we were starting to piece it all together. Yeah. So it wasn't like I went in not I I was pretty sure what this movie was going to be. I'd had weeks to kind of acclimate myself to what this movie was going to be, but I think I still wasn't ready for this movie. My initial thought was I think I felt like Jason did when he saw the Clone Wars movie <laughs> where he just had a moment of like what what am I doing here? <laughs> Watching it again, it I could kind of 
tell more what was going on. And I kind of settled into it a little bit where there's a lot of stuff in the movie I really, really like. There's a lot of crazy stuff in this movie. There's a lot of crazy creatures. And you know I like crazy creatures. But there's a lot of weird, good weird stuff and bad weird stuff and strange stuff that I think I don't know how I feel about this movie yet. I'm still <laughs> coming to terms with what it is and how I feel about what it is. And I think that's why I couldn't sleep last night because <laughs> I keep thinking about this movie. What does it mean? I don't know. I think you had a you had a little bit different reaction than I did. Watching it last night for the first time. Yeah, the first 20 minutes or so. I'm kind of like, wow, this is even more faster and intense than the most fast and intense Fast and intense Star Wars has ever been. Like, this is really, I was almost thinking in my head, like, watching this movie is almost like listening to J.J. Abrams talk, <laughs> where sometimes he, he talks so fast, you can't keep up with him, and you miss things because he's just, it's like, ah, ah, slow down. That's almost kind of like this movie. And it was, I don't know if watching so much Mandalorian recently and like the, the pace of that show got you more into that kind of pace of Star Wars and then going into this pace where <laughs> you're literally jumping on a moving train when this movie starts. But then I was also like, OK, yeah, this is crazy. This is going really, really quick. I'm not sure what's going on, but I'm keeping up with you. And this is cr- <laughs> I'm, I'm along for this ride and there there's weird stuff in it, really weird stuff. And we're going to get into some of the details of stuff. That's kind of like, Ooh, I, I don't know about that. That's a little weird, but my big thing, I, I loved what this movie made me think about, especially when I went to the third time today, the ultimate evil has been destroyed and it was destroyed out of, the, like the basic Jedi concepts of compassion and selflessness and giving oneself to another. The Jedi won by being Jedi and forgiveness and redemption and all those things that are the basics of Star Wars. Like the things George Lucas, we, we play those clips at least every episode where George Lucas says these same things over and over and over again. And I was watching it and I was just like, well, here it is. Like, and I was just like, well... I'm into that. I'm, I, I, can, I can groove with all of this, and I like what this movie is saying. And like I said when we first started out, I get, I, I, you know, I get where people's opinions are coming from that feel differently. I get it. I get their, their place of feeling sad or hurt by this movie. But I, don't, I left feeling like it was a kiss to Star Wars, and it was a tribute to selflessness and compassion being the key to all of it and love you know that star wars is about with that george lucas quote don't be mean to people love them that's star wars you know like that's what this movie was in my opinion love wins in the end that the idea of why do we think the way we think why do we do what we do why do we form our society the way we find it it was something i did when i was about eight years old with my mother and she was putting me to bed i asked her a question I said, Mom, you know, and if you really look at it and you say, well, most people say, well, what's the difference between a Shia and a, and a Sunni? What's the difference between a Catholic and a, and a Protestant? Well, there isn't any different. Or we all believe in the Jewish God. But what about the Jewish God and the gods that came before? And 
the, you know, Buddha is a little bit different, but in the end, if you think of it as one God, you say, well, everybody expresses it differently, but it's still, you know, basically don't kill people yeah. and be compassionate and love people. And so that's basically all Star Wars is. And we love The Last Jedi dearly. That movie goes up in my... I think now I place The Last Jedi as my fourth favorite Star Wars film. I think it's gone up over The Force Awakens, where... And Last Jedi probably still is my favorite of the sequel trilogy. To me, the rise of Skywalker almost makes The Last Jedi feel more like The Empire Strikes Back, where... I remember when The Last Jedi came out, we were, when people were like, oh, you know, Force Awakens was just a ripoff of A New Hope, and Last Jedi is just going to be a ripoff of Empire. And we are like, it wasn't anything like Empire at all. But it's almost like now The Rise of Skywalker is so Return of the Jedi <laughs> that it almost makes Last Jedi look more like Empire, where Empire was the a little bit more character-driven and a little bit more not quite as ridiculous. You know, like we talk about the Ugnaughts are like the only weird creatures, you know, like besides Tauntauns or Wampas or something. There's not a lot of creatures in the Empire. And Return of the Jedi is just crazy. And Rise of Skywalker is crazy. <laughs> Except for now, after Rise of Skywalker, Jedi does not seem that crazy anymore. <laughs> it's a very calm, rational movie compared to <laughs> Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think I, some of it, I, yeah, I'm definitely in that group where I like Last Jedi so much. Like, I think it's my th- third favorite now. I was thinking that if, if anyone asked me what my favorite trilogy is, it's Phantom Menace, Last Jedi, Return of the Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one, two, and three for me, if I had to pick three to watch. So yeah, going into this, it has a very different look than Last Jedi, a very different feel than Last Jedi. And what's I think the craziest thing to me is in a way it still almost feels like three different people made the sequel movies. Like this is a different JJ Abrams than made force awakens, even though it's, it has some of the same strengths and weaknesses. I think of force awakens of, of the JJ Abrams style of making movies, but it was so it's like JJ Abrams unleashed or something. It's like those, the old star Wars unleashed figures where they were just like, so outrageous, (laughs) intense figures with their mouths open and screaming and stuff like there's a jj abrams version of that where he's just like he's just a blur (laughs) you can't even see his face because he's just moving so fast i don't know like it is almost like yeah a completely different person made this movie and that the three sequel movies are so very different they kind of i guess tell the same story but it is in my mind almost like I always keep feeling like I was watching the, uh, like in Last Jedi, when there's the three versions of what happened between Luke and Ben Solo and how it's like the same thing happened in all three, but the different points of view that there's this sequel trilogy story. And depending on which of the three movies you watch, it's like a different point of view of the same story because they, I feel like they're more different than as much as one, two, and three were slightly different from each other and definitely four, five, and six were slightly different from each other. Seven, eight, and nine feel more different from each other to me, if that makes sense. For me, the future of Rise of Skywalker for me, what we'll see is I feel like I don't know that I want to watch Last Jedi and then jump right into Rise of Skywalker, but I could see, all right, today I'm going to watch Rise of Skywalker or today I'm going to watch Last Jedi, depending on the mood I'm in, as opposed to feeling like I want to watch Seven, Eight, and Nine all together. I don't know, but maybe that'll change as they kind of settle in because it is like this 
it's weird how, and it's nice to see that I'm not the only crazy person in the world and that there's so many people that Star Wars movies mess with your mind in this way that you kind of, you don't know how you feel until you have some distance because we're just so invested in this universe and these characters and this and our creatures and robots and spaceships and all this that it's like, yeah, because, you know, my wife is like, well, how was it? And I was like, I don't even really know right now <laughs> because I'm just kind of reacting and I still have, I'm processing it. And it's in your head, you're trying to figure out the story, which is one aspect of it. There's the visuals, like, what does this look like to my eyes? And then there's, you know, these are all movies and movies are all made by different people and are kind of assembled and put together in different ways. And how do I feel about this as just a movie that happens to be Star Wars? And I don't know, it's a lot to come to terms with, I think, before you really know how it feels and you're comparing it to things you've seen for your entire life or things you've been watching for 20 years. So it's, it's definitely, it's like having a new child, right? But you're not sure. But you're not sure if it's yours or not. <laughs> so it's still a beautiful baby, but you don't know how you feel. Like you're saying, like you know, sometimes it takes us years to process these things. I, I still go back and forth with Revenge of the Sith all the time. Where it took me a long time to realize that Revenge of the that maybe I didn't love Revenge of the Sith as much as I did Attack of the Clones and Phantom Menace. And it kind of took the sequel trilogy and kind of being like, okay, well, that wasn't. The last one. We don't end on a down note. But still, the the tone of Revenge of the Sith is something that always freaked me out with that it's so all over the place and goes from, you know, really dark, heavy discussions to Obi-Wan chasing General Grievous riding a giant spinning wheel. As much as The Rise of Skywalker felt like Return of the Jedi to Empire Strikes Back, it reminded me a lot of that just all over the place kinetic frantic energy of sith and sith changing tones and changing moods and it's serious and it's fun and it's crazy and it's star wars and it's there's really really goofy parts and really really serious parts and some parts that really are great and some parts that are maybe a little clunky but that's all star wars magic yeah well if anything hearing you say that is making me think it's almost like this movie is like that video that somebody made online where they play all the movies overlaid on top of each other at the same time, which funny, that was our 100th episode. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. That was our 100th episode. We watched that. And now here a hundred episodes later, JJ Abrams released that in theaters <laughs> because it kind of thinking about the movie. It is like you took revenge of the Sith force awakens last Jedi actually. And, Return of the Jedi, and you played all four of them at the same time on top of each other, and you had like a big mixing board, and you're just quickly mixing <laughs> between each movie, like every second. <laughs> and by the end, yeah, you kind of have Rise of Skywalker, that it, it is bits and things from all of those things kind of crammed together at light speed. 
you're, you're, you're light speed skipping. That was the dagger. That was the clue to the audience of what the whole movie was. We're gonna we're just gonna go light speed light speed skipping for about two hours, 20, 25 minutes or something. And you'll probably be on fire at the end. And if you're lucky, somebody's there to to uh, spray a fire extinguisher on you. Otherwise, yeah, you might burn yourself out and get in a fight with someone on Twitter. I don't know. My things with it, my issues with it are small. It's like they're big, but they're small. <laughs> you know, like part of me is like, you know, no, 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 those are actually big issues. But uh, it's like I was I, like I was saying before, like it, the message of it is one of just pure Star Wars. And I'm at the point now where the the weird stuff with it or the stuff that, uh, you know, that I'm kind of just like, well, I have fun watching it. I have a good time watching it. And it makes me think about Star Wars stuff. And it's weird as hell. And in the end, I want all I ask of a Star Wars movie is to be really weird and make me think of Star Wars stuff. Make me just make me think about Star Wars for two hours and the force and Jedi and what George Lucas thinks about every day. And it did that for me, I guess, you know, and I don't know. Before we start diving in, I feel like my my one thing that. I have a tough time with is the, the, the way Rose is treated in the movie. I, I really liked Rose in the last Jedi. I thought she was great. It kind of reminds me of like attack of the clones and Jar Jar where it's like, well, is that for the story? Because I'm always like, well, Jar Jar, how is, how would Jar Jar have fit into the story of attack of the clones? Or is this star Wars reacting to the real world? You could say the same thing. Well, it's a busy movie with a lot of characters and a lot of story. Could would could Rose have gone on the adventure with them? Sure, yeah, and she probably would have been great. But also, then you would have a lot of characters going on this mission. I don't know, and it's weird. It's weird, and but I don't know. No, I'm with you on that one. That yeah, I I really like Rose and everything. All the bad stuff in real life about Rose is horrible, and when. It appears the bad stuff went into the movie, which even if it wasn't intentional, it's just it's hard to separate the two. And it is like we I don't want the real world in Star Wars and Star Wars should be bringing goodness into the real world. Not badness shouldn't be going into Star Wars from the real world. But, yeah, it's I think it's tied possibly to just the overall issues with the movie of there were. It seems like they maybe filmed three, four hours of movie and at some point just kept cutting and cutting and cutting and cutting. And when they filmed it, maybe she had more to do because it's the same thing with with Jana, the new character. She's really only in like four scenes and each of those scenes is like 30 seconds long. And it seems like there was a bigger story with her. And, you know, you knowing where the movie ended up and how much stuff was crammed in there, you probably could have replaced all her scenes with Rose hanging out with Finn and it would have worked just fine. You know, maybe when they filmed it, there was other stuff. It's like, it's so hard to, to know what, what really happened. And it's a really tricky thing. And it's plagued star Wars since the original trilogy of what audiences think should happen in the next one or their expectations versus what, the person actually making the movie wants to put in the movie for whatever reason it, it's, and it's like we were saying last week and it's the whole thing that we, as fans, we take such, 
we love these characters so much and we love the universe so much that it's like this, it's ours it's our babies you know <laughs> yeah don't hurt my babies and that that whole thing has caused a lot of problems with people you want to think these things happen just because these things happen when you make movies and you don't want it to be because there was any malicious intent to it but i will say i it, watching it the third time i got sad because they brought back space horses and they never let rose ride a space horse when you know from last jedi all the things she loves most in the world other than maybe her sister and finn are space horses so i, I felt bad for her for that reason that she was so close to the horses and she just didn't get a chance to at least feed one an apple if not jump on top and ride it which yeah and she was on the battle on top of the the star destroyer too but she didn't get to ride a horse but another big thing that opinions are very mixed on it's weird <laughs> it's a weird thing ray palpatine so <laughs> which okay so i was for the longest time i'm like palpatine is the master of lies he's always lying about everything you ask palpatine did you eat a cookie and he's like no and he's got cookie crumbs all over all over his black robes. I know you did. Why are you always lying, Palpatine? It's not nice. But then when Luke is like, because you're a Palpatine, it's like, oh, okay, well, I guess it's not a lie. Everybody knows it, except except Ray. <laughs> Everybody knows what you, Ray. Joke's on you. So that's a thing now. She's Ray Palpatine. I don't know. I know how I feel about it. Gabe, I'm curious what, what your thoughts now that this is a thing. It was the one thing in the leaks that I was thought was unfortunate and the thing that I was trying to acclimate myself to in the weeks leading up to the movie. Like, okay, I can live with this and I can live with this, but it is, I think it's going to, it's going to go into a, it's a personal preference thing of like how you felt about the resolution in last Jedi. Like for me, I was like, okay, she's in, she's a nobody. That's fine. Let's move on. There's plenty of other mysteries about Ray and where the story's going and the force and, and all the stuff that I felt like that one was laid to rest and we could move on to the other because there are a lot of questions and mysteries in this movie. And maybe that's the core thing that I'm having to just acclimate myself with this movie is because they doubled down on really other than, you know, the ultimate goal is to show that you are who you are and it doesn't matter who you're related to or what your lineage is that you can be your own person and you can choose your own family, that sort of thing, which is great is the core of this movie became who is Ray, who are her parents and Ray's focus became on, I want to know who my parents are, which just feels a little weird to me that that's the one thing that they fixated on so much. And that in a movie where there's still, things left vague and unexplained and new things added that are vague and unexplained that they went so hardcore into explaining this and not leaving it in a up for interpretation like they did with Anakin, where if you want to believe Palpatine created him, you can, if you don't want to believe it, you can. And it's, it's kind of, it's up to the, the viewer's interpretation where they, they show flashbacks of her parents and they have Luke say, just in case you didn't figure those flashbacks out, he, she's a, you're a Palpatine. I knew it. Leia knew it. It's definitely hundred percent true is a little, it's weird. Does it ruin star Wars? No, but it's a, it is a strange choice in a movie full of some strange choices. 
I don't know. What? How do you feel at this point? Yeah, I'm the same way. Yeah, when when we heard it in the leaks, I was kind of like, oh, really? And I, and it's still kind of like that, but also, it's like it it matters because it it's a thing now, and somehow Palpatine had a son at some point, and I'm like sitting there watching the movie, trying to figure out the timeline, like because people have babies in the same way in star wars that they do in on earth and i'm like really trying to think about when palpatine was doing that and i'm like whoa okay aside from that like okay it matters because it's important and it but does it matter to ray in the movie at any time in the movie is ray just like what do i do now and now that i have this news it doesn't seem to matter to Ray. She just kind of keeps going on with her. I need to know my place in all this. And okay, evil man with milk eyes and really bad lips. If you say you're my grandfather, what does that really mean to me? And I think that's something that kind of gets weird is the fact that, and I think I was talking to you about this earlier today. I kept, Thinking, watching it the third time, if I was a person who got into the Star Wars movies at Episode 7, which is what kind of the purpose of Episode 7 was, was kind of a to get everybody back on board, get new people into Star Wars, get old people who maybe decide they didn't want to watch Star Wars anymore on. And it's like we're kind of starting the story over. It's a sequel, but it's also like it's a new beginning where people can jump in if they don't have all the back history of watching Clone Wars and the prequels and the original trilogy, all, all of that. It's like it's a new chapter that you can kind of jump in. Now that there's Palpatine, does even does Ray even know who Palpatine is? Like in the in the story, I mean, I guess she does because she reacts to it. But I think that's the the tough thing with kind of throwing this in at the end is it's it's we it's not weird to us because we know who Palpatine is, but it's maybe it's weird to Ray because does she know what that means? Yeah, I got the sense that it's almost like to Ray, it's, it's, there were my parents. There were these two people that were my parents. And because Palpatine wanted her when she was little, they were killed. So Palpatine was responsible for the, the death of her parents and her being alone. So she blames Palpatine for that. Yeah, he doesn't mean anything to her. And whatever buckwild crazy plan Palpatine had for Ray. <laughs> You know, like, kill her. No, don't kill her. Bring her to me. Ray, go, and, and and that goes by to why at the end of the day, I, I, I still, I still really like this movie because it's all that, that end with Palpatine and Ray, that Ray just stands there and deflects his lightning back to him with defense, with, again, the, the core things of the Jedi uses the force for knowledge and defense. She's never... A lot of the fights with Kylo in the movie, Ray is on the attack. Ray is always the one initiating the fight with Kylo all throughout the movie because Ray is angry in this movie a lot. She's she starts this movie kind of trying to still find her place in all this, and she's having a hard time. And also, Kylo keeps calling her at the the worst times possible <laughs> and messing up what she's trying to do, and. Yeah. And at the end of the movie, it is it's the she defeats the ultimate evil finally by deflecting his power back at him. 
And once again, his overconfidence was his weakness. And just like in Sith, it's the lightning that messes him up. It's He's the only thing that can defeat himself, but it's Rey with all the Jedi behind her, a thousand generations behind her that finally defeats the ultimate evil. And I, I don't know. I, I sit there in the theater and I start thinking about Order 66 and I think about all the Jedi watching this on their big screen TV somewhere <laughs> and Anakin is there with Ahsoka and Qui-Gon's there and they're all like, yeah, get up, Ray, do it, go. <laughs> that I just, that part right there and her with the, the cross of lightsabers and it's Luke and it's Leia's lightsabers and it's, I don't know. To me, when I sit and watch that part, I'm just like, it's it's the prequels and it's the original trilogy and it's the sequel trilogy all at once. And yeah, it's and it's love and it's compassion. And it's like all the stuff I was talking about before. And I'm just like, OK, cool. <laughs> yeah, I was I was cool with that part. And it did make sense if if you got to bring Palpatine back and you got to figure out a way to kill him again. And if throwing him down a shaft doesn't kill him, how, how do you kill him? And it seemed like well that makes sense he the only time we've ever actually seen him wounded was when he lightninged himself in the face so it makes sense that it's like his only weakness is kind of is his is himself which is even philosophically his only weakness is himself is that he thinks he's never wrong and or that he could see he can always see what's going to happen and same with Snoke, which now we know was, I guess, Palpatine. I guess. <laughs> so he could, he thought he could see everything and he can't see everything. Yeah, we saw Snoke in a tank. <laughs> we really saw that. I got really excited when I saw that because I'm like, Snoke is naked. <laughs> that is, there's like three nude Snokes in there. Yeah. We we were trying, we've been wondering what a giant naked Snoke would look like. And I guess, <laughs> guess we got to know. Can I get... A snow globe filled with three naked Snokes in there. <laughs> and like, oh, I do kind of wish they just would have went all in, though. And when he was down there, there were literally like three or four Snokes just walking around to really hit home. Like, oh, crap, there's just there's all these Snokes. Where did the gold robes come from? <laughs> How many times did Snoke die and nobody knew it and they were replaced with like another Snoke? And then the, did they have to give the new Snoke instructions on what the old Snoke knew? Or did people just forgive Snoke for being really forgetful because he was like old and had holes in his head? That's where's that uh, comic s- series of like the nine lives of Supreme Leader Snoke? <laughs> <laughs> Him living and dying and living and dying again. There, I mean, OK, so there's there's so much more. To talk about with this movie. <laughs> what, what do you think? Should we start digging into the best we can bit by bit before we go too on? And we we haven't even talked about Ben Solo barely at all. No, I, I think we're going to save what we love instead of destroy what we hate. And we're going <laughs> to let's get into the because, you know, like with Solo, it was not my favorite Star Wars movie. But there is stuff in that movie that I can't stop thinking about. And and it's on, you know. There will never be a day that I don't think about Lady Proxima. So, yeah, whatever my overall feelings about this movie are, there are lots of things that just bring a smile to my face. (laughs) Just thinking back, and I know you have a big list as well. Well, we can start right away with The Crawl. Right away, away, hitting hitting it right away, the dead speak. (laughs) Well, definitely, you know, riffing off of Revenge of the Sith. 
starting with the dead speak. The crawl, seeing the crawl the first time, well, seeing the crawl before the movie came out. <laughs> I was like, this is great. They call him the Phantom Emperor. But after seeing the movie and then seeing the crawl again, the crawl becomes even more ridiculous because the crawl doesn't really get you up to speed with the movie at all. Because everything in the crawl is basically, it's telling you what you're going to see more so than what happened before the movie started. Yeah, kind of, yeah. And it's like it starts with there was a message to the universe about Palpatine, but then the movie starts and they don't know about Palpatine until Hux sends a secret message to Bulio to send to the Resistance to let them know that Palpatine sent the message. So I guess he only sent that message to the first order maybe is what it really says in the crawl yeah <laughs> so i don't know but you know but then with the next scene kylo ren is searching for the wayfinder and he goes to exegol but so kylo ren is like yeah gotten the message because he knows like to find this thing and the crawl says that kylo ren is raging because he so he's gotten like a message like the emperor called up Kylo Ren. And he's like, Kylo Ren. <laughs> so yeah, maybe that's yeah, what it is. He got the phone call. I'm looking for Kylo Ren. <laughs> May I speak to Mr. Ren, please? <laughs> Allow me to introduce myself. I'm Sheev. You're not going to believe it's me, Sheev. We see Kylo Ren raging. On this red planet with wood, woods on it, and he finds this box that has the Wayfinder in it. It's interesting, the Visual Dictionary, we learned that that planet, it's Mustafar. It's, it, okay, so I'm opening up the Visual Dictionary, I'm going through it, and it's like, Mustafar? Mustafar wasn't in the movie. And then I'm reading, I'm like, wait, that was Mustafar? <laughs> well, it's funny because every time I've seen the movie, all three times, I'm like, man, that looks like Mustafar. And then they cut to the planet, and I'm like, oh, no, it's this this part. <laughs> yeah. So he was on the, like, the, the the cool side of Mustafar where there were trees and stuff. I don't know. It says, like, instability has churned valuable ores to the surface, making Mustafar a mineral trove for galactic mining conglomerates. Okay, all right. The thing with this movie, too, is I really hope that they don't – hold back on the making of stuff because I have a feeling that the making of this is fascinating because you can tell there was a lot of stuff in the movie that got cut and you can tell that maybe things got shifted around and changed because maybe when Kylo got his helmet made, maybe that was on Mustafar. Did they, do you think they went to Vader's capsule at some point? And then they just decided not to? I'd, I'd say anything's up for grabs. Who knows? Will, will we ever know? Who knows? Probably not. Especially with uh, Chris Terrio talking about how they went back to the the Lee Brackett draft and all the wild stuff in that. Like, that's the the, the monkey goblin <laughs> goblins eating meat out of golden bowls or whatever was in the later feeding <laughs> yeah, goblins. Yeah, like, yeah. it's so. Uh, and then he takes off to Exegol. And finds uh, Palpatine's secret hideout. Yep, sees the the big the big tub of naked Snokes, and we get our first view at old wacky Palpatine, which I really like the flashes of light to reveal Palpatine's spooky face. I I do too. That's the thing. It's like I can be grumpy at this movie all I want, but 
literally whenever Palpatine's on, on screen, I don't care that what he's saying is nonsense and doesn't make sense because he just, he looks really cool. I like that. Yeah. JJ Abrams is completely out of his mind in this movie. And he went to Spencer gifts and bought all the strobe lights and they turned them all on because yeah, just him and Kylo talking and it's, Every time they cut to Palpatine, it's just strobe lights and Kylo's got the like the lightsaber in his face and and there's just like bottles of monster energy drink like duct taped to his chair or behind his head and all of this stuff. It's like I, I love all that stuff. And I love the part where like all the sound effects cut out and all the like lightning and thunder in the back and like Palpatine's just like everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Watching it the third time was I watched it in IMAX and because I bought the tickets late. I was like in the last row. And if you ever sit in the last row of IMAX, all you hear is the subwoofer. <laughs> and that part was pretty amazing because it was literally like Palpatine's voice was only coming out of the subwoofer. <laughs> and it was just like, everything. <laughs> it's all very, very like black metal to begin with. Like, yeah. you expect the people working on like the Snoke tubes you expect to be just like a bunch of guys like swinging their heads around and stuff. Well, there's literally like there's mummies walking around, right? Aren't the people they're working like wrapped in row or wrapped in rags like mummies? It's a bunch of mummies, Brendan Fraser. That's you know, and that's why Poe Dameron is dressed like Brendan Fraser in the Mummy. <laughs> it's all it's all connected. It's like poetry. It rhymes. Yeah, right. You're right. Yeah, so Palpatine's uh, crazy plot in this movie, at this point in the movie, he's like, kill the girl. You just got to kill her. That's all you got to do, Kylo. Right, because if he would have just had Kylo strike him down in anger to pass his essence on to Kylo, then we the movie would have ended and we wouldn't have got all this other cool stuff to watch. Well, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't time yet. The concert hadn't started yet. We'll get to that later. That's, well, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> He needed an audience. <sighs> so we cut we cut from that dynamic opening right into uh, the ridiculously fast-paced Millennium Falcon, this chess game going on with uh, Poe and Finn and Chewie, and, uh, and then they get the message from Bulio. Bulio's great, and we get we get glimpses of Claude. <laughs> Claude with a K, uh, K-L-A-D. Uh. Such a tease. Every every minute, which I literally was one minute of time he was in the movie, every second of that minute was a lifetime. He's so beautiful. Fixing things with his mind because he has no hands, I guess. <laughs> like he's working on the Falcon, and you see like sparks coming out. And I was like, wait, Claude doesn't have hands. <laughs> Maybe he's using his antenna things to fix. That could the be. Falcon. That could be. Did you notice too with Bulio was the first of I think twenty five or thirty times that people grab cables and plug them into things. Yes, that was the theme in the Rise of Skywalker: big, thick, silver cables plugging into things. Yeah, which yeah. I appreciate. Yeah. yeah, but Claude is—he's a work of art. You know, we finally got to see Claude in live action, and if if you have the Visual Dictionary at home. On page 86, there's a bit about Claude. A shout out to Pablo Hidalgo because the first sentence says, Claude's eagerness to help the resistance expresses itself in his keen mind and a talent for the mechanical, particularly giving new life to antiquated systems. So first line right away, 
eagerness to help. How, how did we know? <laughs> God just wants to help. I just, I just want to help everybody. It, it, he barely talks. So I went away from the movie being like, maybe our Claude voice is still the Claude voice. <laughs> it might be. Yeah, we've only heard him scream and go. So <laughs> it's still what I talk about, everybody. Just fixing chips, eating chips. <laughs> But you got to feed them to me. I don't have any hands. Uh, I think Captain Solo had some Dean's French onion dip in the fridge. <laughs> I could sure go for some of that. Claude, 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 Claude. So the, <laughs> then we get the message from Bulio, give it to Leia, and then we get into light speed skipping. It's insane. What? Why? Did you notice the sec? I think it's the second place they skip to. It's like mirrored universe and i can't tell if they're supposed to be water or they're literally in a universe where there's a reflection in the middle of it and everything's mirrored did you notice that i did but i that's all going by so fast literally i thought my eyes were going crazy i was like wait are there two millennium falcons now that's yeah I, i still haven't figured that out is that in the visual dictionary do they have that planet what it's called no light speed skipping is insane and like we said, it's the key to the whole movie. It's like, if you can handle this, then you might survive the rest of the movie. Because it's it, it really never stops light speed skipping. Well, just when you're calming down from that, then we cut to... I, and I, I love this shot of Ray in the forest, in a meditative pose, floating in the air, spinning around, with rocks floating around her. I was into that. Especially the first time through the movie, because that was like, that was one thing I didn't know was going to happen. <laughs> so I was like, oh, so this is how we're going to introduce her, introduce ourselves to Rey. She's trying to communicate with the Jedi of the past, and it's not working. And she flips down to the ground and starts talking to Leia. And it's just, I don't know. I was like, all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After that. Uh, Ray goes off uh, doing her running around training through the woods. And, and again, I was into all of this with her doing the big long leaps and climbing trees and with uh, the training remote chasing her around. John Williams' score is going crazy. What were your thoughts on all this here? Yeah, I liked it. it was I was surprised that it was kind of after the the relentless onslaught of the, of the space stuff. Like, I think I was waiting, expecting the movie to kind of settle down. <laughs> and, and when it just jumped right into the jungle and it didn't settle down and now it's just Ray running as fast as she can fighting that thing. I think I giggled. Cause I was like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on right now. <laughs> this, this is just, this just keeps going. Well, she's running and she gets interrupted while Kylo is trying to call her. And I like that he puts his hand on the burned up Vader helmet to make the force Skype call thing happen. They don't get the call. The call doesn't go through. Like Ray doesn't pick up the phone, but throws throws her off her balance and really pisses her off. Okay, so that's what happened. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I was trying to figure that out again today. I was like, I think they're interacting right now, or it's just cutting back and forth, and I I wasn't sure. So. I'll I'll go with you on that one that he was trying to contact her and she wasn't answering. That's why the the training remote like hit her in the foot and then she started lashing out and did you notice too in this part the music echoes 
Battle of the Heroes a little bit. No, I didn't notice that. There's one part where she's like, she cuts down a tree and you hear like, dun, 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 and it, I don't know, it just reminded me of Battle of the Heroes a little bit, but maybe that's me just like thinking about Sith all the time during this. So yeah, the Falcon shows up, it's on fire. Poe's got news. Everybody gather around. Hey, everybody, guess what? Palpatine is back. <laughs> the other news is that Poe has been possessed by the spirit of Rick Ollie in this movie and basically spends, this is the first of many times of him just explaining what's happening, <laughs> which is so strange. But yeah, it's kind of like, what's happening, Poe? It's like the <laughs> I had the read-along book and Poe's like reading along, just telling me the story. While I'm watching it, but it's weird. It's so weird to me because it's like it almost seems on purpose because he's a pilot. Rick Ollie's a pilot. Rick Ollie's thing was he was just always saying what you were seeing, and now Poe, who's a pilot, is just always saying what's going on. I don't know. It's so I can't tell what's going on. <laughs> was it on purpose? <laughs> For the past six months, too, we've been wondering. Okay, well, how did Palpatine survive? What happened? What's the deal? Is it a clone? And they're just like, maybe it's a clone. I don't know. It's Sith magic. <laughs> like I, I'm sitting in the theater. I'm like, good enough. Yeah. Okay, I guess we're moving on. <laughs> Literally, I'm like, I'm cool with this. I'm cool with <laughs> with the answer being, I don't know why Palpatine's back, but he is, and let's have fun. It's ridiculous. Maybe it doesn't make any sense. It's Star Wars. So they figure out he's on Exegol, and Ray remembers that from um, the Sacred Jedi texts. She knows how to get to Exegol. Luke was trying to find Exegol, but he needed like this Wayfinder thing that's on Pasana. So they're like, hey, everybody, we got to go to Pasana. And they put together a team. Well, and don't forget Palpatine made sure to specifically say 16 hours, too. So the race is on. That's why the movie moves so fast, is we have 16 hours before stuff gets crazy. So they have to find all these things quickly. Yeah, so meanwhile in there, yeah, there's the part with Kylo and his uh, his goofball crew, the Knights of Ren, and uh, a gorilla wearing a visor, uh, fixing Kylo Ren's mask, which is another wacky thing with the Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> That is like maybe questionable, but I also love it because it's so freaking weird. Kylo Ren and his mask in this movie, you know, like all the promotional stuff came out. It's like, oh my God, his mask is back. What does it mean? He just wears it sometimes and doesn't wear it other times. And it, by the end of the movie, it's just not a thing. I think it just means if if a space monkey wearing goggles gives you a gift, it would be rude not to wear it. <laughs> and Kylo with, you know. He's he's a troubled young lad, but he's not rude. And he was like, the space monkey gave this to me. I'm going to wear it for a couple weeks. Well, I'm going to wear it for a couple hours, and then I'm going to take it off. <laughs> because that's the other just ludicrous thing with this movie is we know everything has to happen within 16 hours. So he went from no helmet to helmet to no helmet <laughs> in the course of half a day, <laughs> which is strangely fitting since Phantom or the first two movies effectively take place in such a short amount of time. It's like this movie is just even condensing that that craziness into even less amount of time. I also wanted I want to think that he only wore it because he knew it would piss off Hux and he would figure out who the first order spy was 
if he's like, I know what's going to get under Hux's skin if I show back up with that ridiculous mask. Yeah, maybe. Or do you think it was because now he knows that Palpatine is Snoke? It's just like, I'm just, you didn't like this thing? Well, screw you. I'm going to go pick up the pieces. I'm going to have my ape friend glue it on and I'm going to wear it for at least 45 minutes just to spite you, Palpatine. Take that sheave. <laughs> I, th- I think about that space monkey a lot, though. It's only been... It's been like what? Has that even been 24 hours since the movie came out since the Thursday night? A little bit over. A little bit over. And all the creature stuff in this movie is so good. I don't I think that's a real chimpanzee. I can't tell. It might be. It might be. I think it's a real chimpanzee. It's <laughs> like it's like lawnmower man all over again. So so they're they're getting ready to leave for Pasana. And one of my favorite parts in the whole movie where Ray is just standing there looking off into the woods and Poe comes up. And he's like, what's going on, Ray, or something? And Ray just, Ray says, nothing. And then it cuts to a different scene. (laughs) That's, oh, we're watching a Star Wars movie is what's going on. (laughs) There's a mist, that's a mystery. (laughs) We're going to, we're going to find that out later. So they head to Pisana and it is the festival of the ancestors is going on. (laughs) And it's the greatest party Ever. Yeah, I have to say that part, I can't be mad at that part. I can't. That part messed me up in the best way because I when they got there and it's like, okay, they're here. This is cool. Wait, why are they dancing? Oh, it's a dance party party. <laughs> and, and just as you're getting settled in, like I'm watching Elephant Tusk alien people with trunk noses do the electric slide <laughs> then there's the we see a baby and it's like oh look there's a baby and then they pan the camera and it's like there's a whole bunch of babies oh my goodness it's a bunch of alien babies watching a puppet show <laughs> stop the movie stop it and, may, and maybe that was the part where it kind of went sour for me is i got such a like star wars buzz right there <laughs> That the rest because I'm still riding, riding off the uh, the chimpanzee face. That maybe just the rest of the movie, I just could never hit hit that high of alien babies watching a puppet show. Like they showed that scene too early. Yeah, you know, I was pretty comfortable with all of it. You know, I I I used up all my uh, all my endorphins or whatever in the in the first twenty minutes. I needed someone (laughs) to transfer some of their life force over to heal me. After the after the puppet show. So this little girl comes up to Ray, starts talking to her, this little Akiaki girl. And 3PO is translating back there. It's a Star Wars magic. Total Star Wars magic. She gives Ray uh a necklace as a gift and she asks her what her name is, and Ray says, uh, I'm Ray, just Ray. What no no family name. <laughs> You know, we we've learned in this movie in the Star Wars universe, people are obsessed with your last name. And <laughs> if you if they ask you your name and you just say your first name, they're going to be it's dishonorable. And she's like, she would be honored if you tell her her family, your family name, because <laughs> it's very important to this little girl. So right after Ray gets this next necklace, uh, Kylo tries to call her again, and I really liked these Ray Kylo phone calls. I mean, it kind of goes to the next level as the movie goes on. But I, for me, sitting in the theater, I was kind of like, okay, this is like Last Jedi Part Two 
maybe a little bit because at least at least we're getting this, you know. Yeah, well, and that's the thing I think is funny is it's like JJ obviously liked Last Jedi because he borrowed a lot from Last Jedi in this movie, including the these scenes. But they're slightly done slightly differently. They're done like the JJ way. It's a little weird because all of a sudden it's nighttime. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't understand that. I didn't understand that. And I was like, okay, I guess it's nighttime because this is. She's talking to Kylo, and then it is funny that the first one is Kylo with the helmet on because he never had the helmet on in Last Jedi when they were talking. It's just it's really goofy, but it's like goofy in a Star Wars way <laughs> where he's just standing off to the side. I'm going to come kill you. <laughs> I've got a secret about you. I'm going to tell, tell you what it is, but you've got to come here. But then then I'm going to kill you after I tell you. A big secret. I've got a big secret. And I also really like that he steals the necklace. And for a second, I was hoping he put it on. <laughs> he should have. Or given it to Hux. <laughs> here you go. Yeah. Looks better on you. Yeah, but yeah, I was happy to see. I was like, okay, JJ's getting a little crazy. He he's like fixated on the part in Last Jedi where they transfer the raindrops, and he's like, well, we're gonna we're gonna go all in on this, and he's gonna grab the necklace right through the Force. And I like that they didn't even try to explain it. It just happens. It's Star Wars, whatever things just happen, and uh, it, yeah, they just roll with it. Right after that, yeah, now it's daytime again. And a, a, a stormtrooper finds them, uh, gets an arrow shot in the eye, and surprise, surprise, it's Lando in disguise. And, you know, Lando's Lando. You can't do Lando wrong because Billy D is not human. He is uh, beyond humanity, and he's still Lando. Billy D is great in this movie. You got to hand it to Billy D. Williams. He he is really good, and it was really nice to see Lando in the movie. Yeah, I think the only sad thing is he didn't get a chance to have an actual scene. More so, other than I mean, he does show up, he does some talking, and it does sound like there was more Lando that got cut because it's in the visual dictionary, right? About the the whole backstory with he might have had a kid that got stolen by the First Order. Yeah, yeah, that he yeah he had a child and well unless it, unless it was only ever in the visual dictionary and they just never really even made it into the movie but yeah Billy D's he still got it when the camera kind of zooms in on him in the end and he says give Leia my love and the, the Leia theme is playing I was just like oh that's that's really great mm-hmm. that's really really great and we you know we didn't even talk about Leia in the beginning when my daughter and I went to go see Rogue One. She had no idea that Peter Cushing had been dead for a long time before Rogue One came out. And I almost feel like if somebody didn't know the circumstances with Carrie Fisher, they didn't know that Carrie Fisher, that was old footage, digitally changed around. Would would anybody know? I don't know. No, I think when she's on screen, they make it work. The only part of it that I think it's weird is that when they run out of footage, that they have this idea of what is happening with her, but because there's no footage of her doing what they want, it gets a little weird because Maz puppet Maz just shows up and tells you what's going on. But when she's there, yeah, it was nice to see her. And in the, the idea of Leia having a chance to 
to be the Jedi Master because even though we didn't see it on screen, it makes sense that in the past she would have learned some stuff from her brother. And it was cool to kind of have that aspect of her character get explored in the movie. Yeah, absolutely. So before we move on past the Lando part, we've got to give a shout out to the wonderful Muppet driving Lando's tank when Lando opens up the little slide thing. And there's that that like cookie monster looking Muppet <laughs> driving the tank. It's like, OK. Oh, my God. Like, oh, oh, oh. oh, man. Yeah, that guy. I hope Neil Scanlon and the whole creature team like everybody had buys them lunch for a week. Like those guys, there are so many creatures in this movie. They are all so wonderful. And they're all only on screen for like a 10th of a second that it's just, I hope all that stuff is like in a vault somewhere and they can reuse that over the next few years for the TV shows. Cause it's just like between this movie and solo with all the droids, remember in the visual dictionary, just all the droids they made for solo. Like there's so much wonderful stuff they've made that just, there isn't time for it to get its moment to shine. Half a second of that guy is like, I still, it's like one of my favorite parts of the whole movie. Just that guy. Oh, it's unbelievable. That's just unbelievable. So we kind of go straight from that into the desert chase, which I really enjoyed. I thought that's a lot of fun. There's some great shots. Mm-hmm. I like the desert chase. It, it's funny. It starts with everybody running in full JJ Abrams and you see three PO in the background, just walking as fast as he can. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh poor three PO. Um they get a little pod racy there going through the through the canyon, some of those shots. Yep. Um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah, I like the jetpack guys. I really like when the jetpack guys get shot, they fly around like a like you popped a balloon. <laughs> so over the top. Yeah, it takes them like twenty minutes to explode because they're just flying all over the place. Well, the movie never lets up. They get to the end of the desert chase and they're in a little pit of quicksand. <laughs> no, I think they, they get stuck in a pit of coffee beans. The <laughs> uh, Finn is going down. He's Ray, there's something I gotta tell you. There's something I never told you. And it's a running joke throughout the entire movie. Like, oh Finn, what were you gonna tell Ray? And like all the good Star Wars secrets, well, we never know. She didn't. She didn't really need to know. <laughs> Did you notice who? I think when they first fall in the coffee beans, three PO goes in head first, and you see like his three PO butt. I think, <laughs> and then they then they cut like in close, and they flipped him around because they probably realized that that people don't really need to see that up close. I, I always do. Yeah, they they go down into the the caves underneath, and we start to learn about Ochi, Ochi of Bestoon, a Jedi hunter. Who had a speeder with a hood ornament on it? Oh, great! Uh, Poe Dameron doesn't like bones. They find Ochi's uh, blade with the the Sith runes on it, and a little thing that pops out to say where it is. And we're getting a lot of information really fast. Keep up! I hope you like Star Wars, everybody. <laughs> That's the thing. I I said this last night in the lobby of the theater. I was like, "What are totally normal people?" gonna think of rise of skywalker like people that not even people watching the mandalorian like they're like oh new star wars movie i'll go see that and we're we're hearing about ochi but from a bestoon and luke and lando we're looking for ochi and he's got yeah a speeder with a hood ornament and the sith and a blade and what i think they just roll with it that, but yeah maybe that's a thing like people normal people they don't care. Yeah. Well, that's that's the that's like the J.J. Abrams secret, right? He's 
he's all feel, don't think. And there's things in scenes that make you feel things that make you like, oh, okay. I, I, I know what's going on. You don't really know what's going on, but you feel like you know what's going on. And by the end of the movie, you're like, oh, okay, I saw a movie. It was pretty cool. But if you stop and think about it, it's like there's just a million things going on a million miles an hour and maybe none of it makes sense. But I think regular people are totally into it. They're just along for the ride. Because I kept thinking watching this that it was like if you'd made Star Tours the movie, they took the amusement park ride and they showed it at the theater. Because it is just constantly moving. There's constantly stuff happening. There's a story. It doesn't always make sense, but you don't, you're not supposed to care because you're just moving. You just keep on moving through the ride. Like you're just, it's, yeah, I don't know. We get to kind of after this, the Ray senses that uh, Kylo Ren is coming. We have the flip scene from the trailer, which is awesome to finally see in its entirety. Ray splits the wing off Kylo Ren's TIE fighter, and then we get into this ship tug of war where Chewbacca has been captured by the First Order. You know what how it goes. This ship tug of war, I love this part like a lot. I love the sound effects, it's going crazy. I love Ray's stance when she's trying to bring the ship down. I love Kylo just showing up, just trying to mess it up. And when the lightning shoots out of Ray's hand, I don't know. I was just like, Kylo is driving Ray so crazy. Where Kylo is, Ray is just like, will you stop calling me? I close the door on you. Stop bugging me all the time. And he just keeps showing up, like showing up at her work. Hey, do you want to, <laughs> yeah. we, we could get coffee. It's cool. I like, do you like coffee? I like She's like, I'm trying to do something here. And then, like, look what you made me do. Lightning just shot out of my hand. <laughs> I, I, you know, I was like, okay. Okay. I think it's a cool scene. Because also I like that it's just two people. It's like J.J. Salas Jedi and liked it. But he wanted, to, he wanted it to be faster and more intense. So it's like the, the lightsaber scene was cool. But it's like, how do we make that more outrageous and intense? Well, let's just put a spaceship between the two of them. It is cool. We we everyone always like, oh, why why aren't they pulling ships out of the sky? Well, we got you've seen that now. It happened. So after that, the so lightning comes out. It blows up. We're led to believe that Chewie was in there. How did you feel about the whole Chewie thing? That was one of the things that is just felt really kind of. It was handled weird to me because they make a big deal out about Chewie being dead, and you're like, well, crap, she just killed Chewie on accident. But then immediately we find out he's not dead, but they keep letting Poe and Finn and Ray think he's dead. Did that seem weird to you that they kind of like it was like they were scared to hurt people's feelings too much? Yeah, I got that sense totally that like, oh, we're going to let the audience know that Chewie's still alive. But also it's the first of what, three fake deaths? That happened in the movie four maybe if you think 3po is going to be gone or something like there's a lot of <laughs> fake deaths and resurrections in this movie it, it, it's a theme maybe you include palpatine in that where we thought palpatine was dead and palpatine's back there's a lot of there's a lot of rising ooh from the grave in this movie <laughs> true i think i just got hung up on like i was pretty sure true wasn't going to be dead because there were scenes from the trailer with Chewie that he didn't show up yet. But it was 
it was just a weird it was a weird choice to me, especially since they kind of gave you the hint when Hux is talking to Pride and he says, well, there was another ship and we have a we got an important prisoner like that seemed like enough of a hint to let people know, oh, maybe he's not dead. And at least for the next two minutes before they <laughs> end up in the <laughs> rescuing him, because that's the thing, the movie just moves so fast and it's kind of weird that. They didn't just let him dying linger for at least a few minutes. Well, Ray is all messed up. She thinks she killed Chewie, and they think they lost the blade. They don't know what to do, and they figure out, well, the, the information from the blade is inside C-3PO's like, memory, so they've got to go to Kijimi, where Poe Dameron knows there's like a droid they call him like a droid blacksmith or something. So they go to this other planet, Kajimi, to get there. It's snowing. C-3PO is wearing a jacket. <laughs> and you see First Order troops like knocking on everybody's door. And I love the part where they're like, they're knocking on somebody's door. And the, the guy with the giant head and the million eyes comes out. And, oh, <laughs> I think, are they knocking on doors to try to, to steal your babies? I think is what they're doing. I think, yeah, at first I was like, are they looking for, like, the resistance people? But, yeah, we meet Zori Bliss, and she says something that, like, she keeps talking about how they took the babies or something. I'm not sure. I think they were looking for the resistance people. Well, because the scene before that is when they're talking about Exegol and can Palpatine be trusted and Kylo's new helmet. And then at the end, they're like, we need to go get more kids because we're going to have more ships. And then they go to Exegol, and it looks like they're looking for kids, and they just happen to be there because Kylo's ship isn't there yet. But then over the course of them being there is when Kylo, I think, figures out they're there and comes there. And then now they transition from looking for kids to looking for the resistance, I think is how it goes. Well, the important thing is, though, Zori Bliss, who is pretty cool, Zori Bliss takes them down to meet Babu Frick. This is Bobby Frick. Sweet Babu. She'll be looking for you. That is remarkable. She'll be calling you. Frick is one of my truly favorite characters out of the whole movie, and I'm not yeah. sure I can go further than We that. know that he is a droid builder, and that is all we know about him right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he might be the star of the movie. If anyone, if anyone gets a spinoff, maybe we'll get, a, we'll get a Babu Frick show. Give him a talk show. Where he just interviews people. I don't know how I never knows that Babu Frick doesn't wear a shirt. You're right. He's just wearing a loincloth and a hood. Party clothes. Every line Babu Frick says is solid gold. His voice is great. The little puppet is great. Oh, the, the, the droid girl blank. Uh, all of that. Well, <laughs> and we can't forget walking in to see Babu Frick is another just embarrassment of riches and tease of creatures. Because they go through that bar and there's characters right out of the Star Wars newspaper strip looking alien guys. <laughs> the guy with the like, cyborg body and the weird melted face and the guy with all the teeth. And there's the big giant bear furry weird thing. Yeah, fuzzy naval guy in the back. And who's working the bar? 
Johnny Williams with some cybernetic eye thing. The <laughs> John Williams finally making a cameo in the Star Wars movie. It's interesting we got that's a new in-universe people listening to Star Wars song, but it's just slightly there to hear. I couldn't tell you what it sounds like other than it was kind of neat. They're just like in a bar with a jukebox on or something. Well, it's, a, it's like the song playing on Pasana too. The, the, the Aki Aki electric slide song. Mm-hmm. That's a whole song. Which is not on the soundtrack. Neither of them are. And we totally forgot too, that when back before all this, before they even got to Kajimi, we met Dio by another scene of, Someone getting something plugged into them. Dio is outrageous. He's voiced by J.J. Abrams. And I kind of like that in typical J.J. Abrams style, Dio just tells you happy, sad, what the mood of the scene is. <laughs> but I was like, oh, you know what? I was like, I'm, I like it. I'm into it because it's outrageous. It's crazy. It's Star Wars. I'm into it. If you have no idea what's going on, Poe Dameron will tell you what's happening and Dio will tell you what to feel. <laughs> So you can so you can follow along at home. I need Dio in my life watching TV. Dio, I don't know how to feel. Happy. <laughs> Thank you. Eating a sandwich. That's that's what I'm doing right now, Dio. Thanks. <laughs> the one part there when they're on Kajimi is there's like a long it seems like kind of a longer rooftop conversation between Zori Bliss and Poe Dameron. I look at that moment as that's a moment when the movie does kind of slow down and just lets two characters talk a little bit. Yeah, and it's nice. It's nice to have those breathers. But it's unfortunate that we don't get more of what was actually going on with those two. And I wish we got a little more of Zori doing something because she's such a cool design and just seemed like a cool character that she didn't even get to, like, shoot a stormtrooper or anything. I liked how she just kind of drifted through the movie, but I could, yeah, I could see that, I guess. Well, back in uh, Babu's droid workshop, they finally get it figured out with C-3PO, and he gets in crazy voice, and he tells them that they've got to go to Kefbur, which is not not the forest moon of Endor, but like the ocean moon of Endor, and that is where... The Sith Wayfinder is, and the knife will tell them where to get there. And we got more great baboonness with C-3PO introduces himself to everyone. He says, who are you? And Babu in the back, I am Babu Frick. Before they leave, though, they figure out that uh, Chewbacca is still alive. They're going to go up to Star Destroyer to rescue him. A whole bunch of craziness goes on there, right? Yes. They land in the hangar. They shoot some stormtroopers. We get a mind trick joke. We get... <laughs> I think it's so weird. Ray asks, where is Chewie and where are his belongings? Seconds later, she's like, I feel the knife is here. Which I was like, aren't his the knife with his belongings? Isn't that why you asked? You know, I was, you know, again, I was rolling with it. I was rolling with it. I don't know how I don't know how they do things in space, so maybe that's how it works. But yeah, they split up. We get to see Chewie naked, which I think was kind of was bold. It's a, it's always it's always a bold choice, naked Chewbacca. So we get naked Chewbacca. Ray ends up in Kylo's study, I guess, where he hangs out his boudoir. 
his private quarters. She sees uh, the Vader helmet, and it's it's a good time as any for a phone call. And they talk, and they have a lightsaber fight, and it's more uh, Kylo secrets. I know, I know, I know a big secret about you. (laughs) A real big one. Well, that was the first of. It was a cool idea to have them lightsaber fight through the Force phone calls. Like that was a neat escalation of that whole thing and that i'm trying to think was that the is that the only one where they're actually in different places and fighting because by the it is isn't it yeah Mm -hmm. i think so and they break the stand that the helmet's on and the helmet falls through the force to where kylo is and again he knows where they are kylo gets there and uh onto the star destroyer and another really small moment that I really love, there's a part with C-3PO and he's talking to a bunch of stormtroopers and C-3PO literally is just making like, like gobbledygook noises. I don't know what's going on. And one yeah. stormtrooper's like, that's not even a language. Well, wait, that's that, is that they get captured before that. We forgot about that. Oh my God. See, that's the thing. So many things happened. Yeah, they get, they get captured. Hux is like, I'm going to do it. And... Hux is the the first order spy, and then he immediately gets shot by General Pride. Poor Hux. I was kind of sad about that. I kind of was too. I was all for Hux redemption, where maybe Hux had a future in the Resistance or something. I I could see it happening. He could have grew his sideburns out even more, and he could have been the new hot Callus. Could have been hot Hux. <laughs> it really it could have happened. Uh, could have got some Hux Huxual healing. <laughs> Marvin Gaye starts singing. <laughs> when you get that feeling, get that Huxual feel Huxual healing. Uh, well, <laughs> stay tuned, everybody, because maybe a lot more Hux coming in 2020. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there's that standoff between Kylo Ren and Ray where they're just kind of like pacing around each other and a bunch of stormtroopers are there. Like what's they're like, well, I want to hear this big secret. And yeah, Ren finally drops the big secret. You're Palpatine. You're Ray Palpatine. You're Empress Palpatine. Palpatine, Palpatine, Palpatine. The theater gas. Maybe somebody gets up and walks out, (laughs) throws their popcorn at the screen. It's a thing. Yeah. Do you think if Palpatine's last name was a little, like smoother to say it would be less jarring for people like if he had like a slick last name like Calrissian or something <laughs> maybe it's kind of a clumsy name to say the falcon comes and picks up ray she goes flying out of it and ray's having some dark days on the falcon dealing with this whole situation and she's like telling finn that she's gonna go kill palpatine Finn's like, that doesn't sound like you. And yeah, she's saying, everyone says they think they know me. Oh, no, you know, and I've liked all that. And I, there's a moment in there with John Williams' score where it's the Palpatine theme played, but like with the Ray instruments. Hmm, I didn't catch that. I'll look out for that one. The one thing going into the movie that I wasn't sure how it was going to work was like, okay, well, I get that Ray, she's angry. She's. Anger, fear, aggression, you know, like the, 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 the path to the dark side, the standard things. Fear leads to hate, hate leads to suffering, all that stuff. But I was almost kind of like, well, did Rey have anger in The Force Awakens and Last Jedi? Well, she, had, she got a little angry in Last Jedi. She got angry at Luke. She did. She did. I think the difference is 
she was angry in defense of Kylo, if anything. It was like she was starting to empathize with Kylo, which made her angry at the people who hurt Kylo. And in this one, the anger is more about herself. Which then is interesting when later in the movie, when she goes back to the Achu planet, feeling exactly for her how Luke felt when he, when he wanted to go. Anger at himself at what happened. And almost fear with their role in the universe and what could happen. I know I'm jumping way far ahead, but I don't. I just, I like when she goes to Achu a lot. I just wish it was slower. <laughs> Do you wish we spent more time on Achu? Yeah, if you're going to go back there, it would have been a nice breather to kind of ease you back into the, the finale of the movie. Because it just happens so quick, it's almost like Luke trying to recap Last Jedi really quickly. All right. Well, before we get there, we've we're we're on Kefbur. We meet Janna on on the space horses. Uh, we get to the ruins of the second Death Star. Ray climbs in there, and when she's in there, and I the the help me take this mask off music is playing and all that stuff. I liked all that, but also I really liked that off to the side of the Emperor's chair is the secret door where like the wayfinder is. So I'm like, Oh man, in Palpatine's downtime or when he had his spooky big hat buddies over, maybe they just hung out in Palpatine's secret room where the real evil stuff happened. They probably did. Well here, before we get too far this, I got to ask, cause this, this is driving me nuts. The Sith dagger has the directions to the wayfinder written etched into it. It's not like a digital dagger. It's etched into it. So that means the dagger was made after Return of the Jedi? That's what I was trying to figure out. Because it was like, this is an ancient Sith dagger that has etched on it the directions to the Wayfinder. But the Wayfinder crashed into the ocean. <laughs> but I guess I was just, I'm thinking too hard. Some of the aspects of all this stuff reminds me a little bit of King of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> where we were supposed to be tracking Oxley's quest for Akator and the crystal skull and Indy and Mutt were like following it around and they were like getting all these clues. And well, Oxley went here and Oxley went there. Oxley was in prison and he went crazy. And then we find, Ox you know, and it's Oxley is kind of like Ochi a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. It, it was, it was a little crystal skull. I, I, I was thinking, the same thing at one of the one of the showings. I was like, this is kind of the Crystal Skull of Star Wars. And I was like, you know, I've come to love Crystal Skull. So there's hope for this movie. Because <laughs> just getting to the point where like Ray coming to terms with being a Palpatine, me just coming to terms with this movie being what this movie is and, and appreciating and loving it for who it is, not what I want it to be. That, yeah, this, there's a very like going on an adventure for the sake of it. And it, if you think about it too much, don't <laughs> just, just go, just go with it <laughs> for your own sake. Just go with it. It's very good advice. Very, it's very true. I think that's the, maybe that's the moral of the story here. We're, we're still like halfway through the movie. <laughs> Are we? Cause not to throw this off track, but I was, I literally spent a lot of time today, like in my head going through all the other movies, like, okay, all the other movies are roughly like there's a first act and a second act and a third act. What kind of happens in them? And then I got to this one and I'm like, where's the middle of the movie? 
are there even any acts? When when are we at the end? And like even watching it the third time, I I I like I don't know how much of the movie's left. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that today too, where I was just like, man. It, Back in my day, there was like Star Wars movies had like the three locations that they went and like all the three locations look different. There's a desert and there's a forest and there's a this and there's a that. But I remember Sith was one where they just kind of like, no, we're not doing that anymore. Where Sith was like jumping from planet to planet and all over the place. And well, this was kind of, again, the comparison with Revenge of the Sith, where it's just like, we're just going all over the place here. There's no rules. JJ's like, I already made... A Star Wars, Star Wars movie. I'm gonna make a JJ, JJ movie, and yeah, we're only half, we're only halfway through the movie. I th- I think maybe we. We'll, I don't know. Ray fights Dark Ray. Uh, Dark Ray has the Hobbit moment where she's got like sharp teeth. It's super crazy. Uh, kind of cool. She Ray comes out of there immediately after fighting Dark Ray, and there's Kylo Ren standing there, and he does like a Superman move and he crushes the, the wayfinder. Well, he was really trying to crush it into a diamond to give it to Ray, (laughs) but it didn't work. Beautiful present for a beautiful person. Uh, They immediately start lightsaber fighting. You know, though, I really liked this lightsaber fight because it was like the lightsaber fight from force awakens mixed with, Jedi super jumps, like a lot of Jedi super jumps that we haven't seen the likes of since the prequel trilogy. Yeah. No, this this is one of the parts that I didn't know what was going on the first time, but now by the third time, I can tell what's going on and I really like this part because it is it's like it's this it's this movie's version of the Anakin Obi-Wan duel from Sith. It's instead of them fighting over a sea of lava. They're fighting over a sea of water. And it's, it, I was watching it again. I was like, man, I'm really surprised that they didn't just have John Williams bring some duel of the fates in because they weren't shy about bringing back old themes in this movie. They weren't afraid to use it in the marketing that could have been cool, but yeah, it's what there's so many backflips, so many waves. And they're just lightsaber fighting until they can't do it anymore. There, there's a stalemate, and they just they get tired. And what finally stops the lightsaber fight? It's Leia at this moment reaching out to her son. And I don't know. I liked all of this so much. I was just like, "This is great. This is just this is awesome." I love the yeah the visuals, the waves crashing. It's very epic. This is uh, this is much like. Sith, again, this is a fight that is determining the fate of the galaxy between two people with lightsabers. Well, and it's two people who have strong feelings for each other. Much like Anakin and Obi-Wan. Right. It's, yeah, it's, again, where it's, yeah, it's Revenge of the Sith in a way of, it's two people that really shouldn't be fighting that are fighting. Once Leia reaches out to Ben, he drops his saber Ray grabs it as it falls and in an act of aggression kills Ben Solo, kills Kylo Ren more. When I was watching, I was like, this this is so great because this is like what Luke wanted to do in The Last Jedi, but stopped himself. And for Luke, that was what started his whole fear and doubt that 
got him on the island, disconnected himself from the force. It was his failure with Ben and what that meant for Leia and all of that for Luke. But Ray did it. Ray did what, what Luke couldn't do. You know, she finished what Luke started. Yeah, the good stuff and the bad. But she was able to heal him at the end and to say, I wanted to take your hand, Ben's hand. And again, continuing what in The Last Jedi, where she believes in Ben Solo. When they shared that moment in the elevator there, like that's still playing here. That's still a thing where she would see him turn. You don't have to do this. I feel the conflict in you. It's tearing you apart. Ben, when we touched hands, I saw your future. Just the shape of it, but solid and clear. You will not bow before Snoke. He'll turn. I was just like, again, like I'm saying, like all I ask for in a Star Wars movie is make me think about Star Wars stuff, make me think about the story, make me think of the story in new and different ways by what they're showing me in this movie. And I was just like, well, this is it. This is what you're giving me. And I'm thinking about these characters that I love, Ray and Kylo Ren slash Ben Solo and Luke Skywalker and Han Solo and Leia and everything. Yeah, if anything, this is the this is Rise of Skywalker's end of Force Awakens part where everything kind of comes together in this really great kind of action scene that has some emotion to it. And then it follows through with the this memory of Han Solo and the whole scene with, between them. Like this whole part is maybe the best part of the whole movie. It's basically the fight, the fight through Ben throwing the saber away. And that memory of Han Solo part could have been really cheesy it could it could have gone the other direction but i think it's done so well i thought harrison ford was great and i love it basically just echoing what they say to each other in the force awakens but with new meaning to this kind of the same words yeah well just like in force awakens when that you know harrison ford and adam driver were able to stand when you see the behind the scenes in the greenest green screen room you've ever seen and do this very emotional scene that they were able to bring that level of quality to this, to another situation where they probably were on <laughs> in the greenest of green screens again for this. And, and maybe that's again, one of the reasons this movie is just so difficult to come to terms with is this is like, are we in the middle of the movie? Like this is like the climax of the movie in a way. But it's in the middle of the movie and there's still like the rest of the movie to go that it's just it's almost just too much. And Adam Driver's performance during all of this, when he's talking to Han Solo, I don't know. It's it's the reason why he's one of the best actors working today. And we're so lucky we have him in our weirdo, weirdo Space Wizards movie. He's just so good. Yeah. It's like you could never imagine anyone else playing Kylo Ren. But I, I do wish when he got stabbed in the chest that his shirt ripped off like Padme and then we got to see like his midriffs for the rest of the, the, rest of the movie 
would have been pretty sweet. Uh, so that yeah. So then Ray goes off back to the island, and yeah, like we were saying, and we get a nice little shout out to Porgs, and she goes to throw the lightsaber into the fire of the ship, and who catches it but Luke Skywalker with. In a history of Star Wars films featuring Luke Skywalker and Luke Skywalker's wonderful hair, and we've been talking about Luke's hair since, I think, the very first episode of Blast Points, <laughs> but this could be the best Luke hair ever seen on screen. May, maybe, yeah. <laughs> it is definitely the most outrageous Luke hair. It is funny that it's like, it's well, it's like when he force projects, he made himself like have his hair dyed like it was like slightly younger, slicker Luke. And now as a ghost, I guess, instead of making himself look younger, he was like, I'm just going to make my hair longer <laughs> and wavier. He's like a lion man. Oh, and I love the when he's like, what are you doing here? He's <laughs> still a little bit of grumpy Luke. I think it's yeah. Like I was saying earlier, it's just it's hard, especially Coming off of Last Jedi, which had so much Luke in it and so much contemplative, calm, you're just kind of soaking in your time with Luke. Getting this hyperspeed fast forward recap, Ghost Luke is a little jarring and maybe over time I'll be more used to that, but it's a little weird. The My, my only thing, and I loved this whole scene. When Ray is like, I'm I'm gonna do what you did, I'm gonna stay here. And when Luke says I was wrong, and during my first viewing, uh, there was some dude in the theater that clapped and was like, Yeah. And I was like, Oh and I didn't even think of that. He would have said that at the end of The Last Jedi, too. As soon as he force projects himself and does that ending of The Last Jedi, that's basically what he's saying to Kylo Ren. And I just feel like a lot of people that just like Luke deserves better and all that jazz. They're not watching the movie. And maybe part of the, those things popping out is because it is so condensed and fast. Cause yeah, you get the, the line about the lightsaber, a Jedi's lightsaber deserves more respect when he catches it. They're those, they're worded in a way that you can interpret them as rude to last Jedi or not, because they're not, what they're actually saying isn't like he's not saying that he shouldn't have thrown it away when he threw it away. Cause it's almost like this is after last Jedi Luke talking. So it makes sense that he would say that. And it makes sense him saying he was wrong because he was wrong to, to hide because he was afraid, but him learning he was wrong was the point of the last movie. And what was so nice to see that, yeah, Luke has, Luke is a person and he has problems and he has fears and he has regrets and he's not a 18 year old kid anymore. The, the wonderful, wonderful scene in the last Jedi of the greatest teacher failure is, I don't know. I, I, I think we've been saying this about last Jedi for years. It's like, I don't think people were paying attention, <laughs> you know, cause it's like, yes, he failed and it's how you learn from failure. That's the whole point. But Anyways, I loved it. I loved the the whole Luke part, and I don't know, like him raising the X wing at the end so Ray can leave. Luke wasn't able to do it when he was on Dagobah. It's too big. I can't do it. And now, as a flipping ghost, 
he can raise the X-Wing out of the water. And then he's got that great smile to Ray at the end. Where I, I'm just sitting in the theater just blowing kisses at Luke Skywalker. That's all I'm doing. I'm not thinking about how he used part of the wing for the door for his cabin on Octu. I'm, I'm done. Maybe he put it back on with the Force. Yeah. We don't know. There's probably no gas in it. It's running on the Force. It's running on love. <laughs> Maybe the, the ocean is made of fuel. He figured out how the X-Wing can run on Octu water. So what even happens after that? Ray takes off in the X-Wing. She's leading a path for the Resistance on how to get to Exegol. They're like, okay, we're going to follow Red 5. She gets to Exegol. She shows up there. And the movie starts cooking, cooking with space water gas. Because as soon as Ray shows up to face off against Palpatine, she, Palpatine's in like this... Now we learn is in like this amphitheater and it's a Palpatine rock concert going on because <laughs> there's all these like Palpatine super fans that are all dressed at the same store. They're all wearing black robes. I think somebody's going through the crowd selling hot dogs and there's get a sheave t-shirt in the lobby. <laughs> I was like, man, what? They're like singing along to Duel of the Fates or something. This This is the part where the movie just goes off the rails and I don't know what. I don't know what happens, what's happening. Because are they real people? Are they spirits? Are they the spirits of the Sith? I don't know. Because at the end when everything blows up, it's like they don't make it clear whether they're actually getting crushed to death and dying or if they're turning to dust. Yeah, it's – you're just – you're just hallucinating at this point. It's all hallucination. I loved it, though, because, like, Palpatine is working the crowd, too. There's one part where Palpatine's just like, eh? Ah, to the crowd and the crowd just like, <laughs> <laughs> like what's what's happening oh, i don't know yeah and here palpatine's whole story kind of changes where he's just like i never wanted to kill you i wanted you to come here so i can possess you <laughs> Uh, what? I'm your I'm your kindly old grandfather. <laughs> and he like motions to his chair. Oh, you Empress Palpatine. <laughs> like I think some Praetorian guards walk out or something. I don't know what is going on. Uh, yeah, uh, there's all those like guard guys that for whatever reason, yeah, they they never zoom in enough for you to tell what the heck they are. There's just some vaguely red thing standing around even when they fight them you can't really see what they are because they're all an illusion in our mind we're having a shared hallucination (laughs) it's so crazy but man oh man do i love it i just like it's bonkers town and now i don't like what even happens well then there's the spaceships come and this is the thing that i think is maybe that drives me a little bit nuts but whatever is there's a space battle and nothing – we never actually see anything happen in the space battle. Or are you talking about – there's the beginning of the space battle where everybody's getting beat up. All the space battle. But mostly the, – the, specifically during the beginning, there's just – the movie does become like – it's like a fever dream at this point. Because there's the Palpatine stuff with the crowd and you don't know what's going on, what's real, what's a, what's a spirit. And then whenever they cut to the – base battle it's just frames of things moving around but there's no like 
story of what the ships are doing. Like there's not like these ships are going here to do this or do that. There's just like they cut and there's like ships flying by. Like it's like this impressionistic painting of space stuff. Well, it, it is, it's kind of like Phantom Menace, though. They got to knock out the control tower that's going to disable all, all the all the, the Sith the 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 final order Sith Star Destroyers, which is all so crazy. They were all like underground with a bunch of people working on it. I was like, where? How do they eat? What's going on? Right. Well, that's like, why didn't they just make them clones or robots? Like, it would have been could have been fine. Yeah, let's do that. No one would have cared. We, he's got cloning technology and Sith magic. It's Star Wars. All those people were so hungry. That's why they're mad because they're just hungry. I, this I think may, maybe this is yeah the end of the movie just gets so out there and nonsensical that I ha, I can't handle it yet and maybe someday someday I'll be able to to handle what's going on but it's just so absurd See, that's I did, maybe that and that's where we go down two different paths yeah. because this is where <laughs> this is where I start to come alive and I start sitting up in my seat and. Yeah, once Lando's fleet shows up, first of all, I every time I throw out my, I throw out my back when there's the brief shot of Wedge, just so brief. <laughs> and also the first time I saw it, I slapped my hands together in the theater, Wedge, and <laughs> literally I thought the crowd was going to go nuts, and I was the only person. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no one remembers who Wedge is. Especially because he has gray hair, it takes you a second to realize it's Wedge. But I love, I love that like there's one gajillion ships, and you're like, whoa! And I love Poe, like, what is this? What is this? But you never see any of them do anything. <laughs> well, no, that's what I'm saying. Next time you watch it, just pay attention to the space stuff, because, and this is maybe my, like, that was one of the things in Force Awakens that I never quite really fell in love with was the the space battle stuff at the end, because it's just kind of like all over the place, but at least, you know, you would cut to Asti and some of the guys and there is the cool stuff with Poe flying around BB eight ducking when the explosions, when they're blowing the thing up. But this one is like, it is, it is, it's just, it's like shapes in colors. Like there's just stuff moving around, but there's never any from shot to shot. The ship's actually doing anything other than at a certain point, they all blow up. And then the giant, ships to end all ships all show up we see right we see lando and wedge and then they just start shooting at the guns and and then it's just whenever they cut back to the ships it's just explosions it's like our old friend explosions shows up and makes his appearance <laughs> it, it's it's like the lightsaber fight uh between anakin and dooku and attack of the clones it's just colors and just lights on people's faces yeah but i but it goes on for like 45 minutes, though. That's what's so <laughs> crazy. And Because and, think about like R2-D2's in that battle. Yeah. R2-D2's in Poe's X-Wing. Yeah. They don't even... <laughs> it's like not even like a, even acknowledged. Well, is, he, he mentions, he says something to R2. At one point, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> That's I don't know we didn't talk about that right but that's I think if I have to be a little grumpy I do feel like for the last Star Wars movie that R2 kind of got the shaft a little bit especially since he was he was he's been the star of the show for so long I was feeling about R2 the way I felt about Rose while watching the movie 
where I was just like, why can't R2 go on this mission? I would much rather watch R2 than see C-3PO, even though I did like C-3PO in this movie, and he was possibly the funniest C-3PO's ever been. But also it was like, Bo, what about R2? Except for when Leia passes away. At that moment with R2 constantly staying at the foot of Leia's bed, and the first person to react to Princess Leia's death is R2-D2. I was like, okay, I get why Le- why R2 had to stay behind. And I'm glad R2 was there. And it kind of chokes me up. Yeah, I I will accept that that it's nice that, that R2 was there with Leia. But all this end battle stuff kind of happened after that. And it is, I think maybe that's one of the things that, that I just, is unfortunate for me is that they weren't able to at least give each character like a moment to do something cool or have like a little moment to shine in the, in the last movie for how huge and just packed full of stuff. The movie is having wedge was pretty cool. And it would have been neat if at least after wedge showed up, if maybe wedge shot down a, a, an X wing or a tie fighter or two, and then they cut back like, or like when the whole, infinite fleet showed up because the other thing i was noticing watching the last time that was so just ridiculous too is like zori comes back with babu frick what spaceship was she in that is a zori ship i don't know <laughs> they never show what ship she's in if you have the toy of the a-wing or you or the y-wing and you like read that she's in the y-wing i think she's in the y-wing but i don't think the movie actually ever shows you what ship she's in yeah. which is it's like it's so this movie's just so crazy that way, but you know, and that's the thing. That's why. That's why we were two different roads here. Where I was just like, I, I've got the fever dream, and I'm sweating it out, and I'm like, maybe this is how I go. Maybe this is the fever that kills me, and I'm just gonna have a good time here because we keep cutting back to the the arena with people with a bunch of goblins and in black robes, and it's the final duel between the Jedi and the Sith. With Palpatine just talking mad, crazy stuff. And I'm just like, I, I love this. I do too. And I think that's the thing that, that was kind of driving me nuts is like, just stay with Palpatine. We don't have to jump back to the to the space battle. Like, we don't really need the space battle right now. Let's just, let's, let's dig into this. We brought Palpatine back. We all bought tickets to see Palpatine. So let's, let's just let that play out. If, if when we're cutting to spaceships, the spaceships aren't really doing anything. I, I like the idea that... Rogue One was after Rogue One. It was just like we we can't do any spaceship battle better than Rogue One. <laughs> so it's, it's just like don't even try. Yeah, because when it's Palpatine in his giant robot arm thing, that's he's. It's like, what do I love most in Star Wars? Well, robot arms are pretty far up at the top, and it's like they didn't give Palpatine a robot arm. They built a robot arm and stuck Palpatine on the end of it. I'm like, okay, I'm all for that. So that stuff is just great. Kylo starts to show up. Ben Solo and his new clothes. <laughs> the, the first time, yeah, the first time watching it, I was like, he just put sweatpants and a sweatshirt on. He's like, I'm not evil anymore. I'm just going to put my comfy clothes on. I got my jammies on and I'm going to go see Ray. I'm just chilling. I'm chilling. He's like, it's Saturday. I don't have to go to work and I'm wearing what I want. But I think you you reminded me that the whole he still has the hole in his shirt. So he's just he's just wearing his underpants, actually. Yeah, his undergarments. Yeah, he took it all off. He, yeah, he's fighting the Knights of Ren and uh, 
I, I love the whole Palpatine, like, she steps forward, she takes out her lightsaber, and now she takes another step, and she looks like she might sneeze. <laughs> but then she does, like, a magic trick and gives him the the saber, which is cool that she gives him the saber, but it is almost, it's like I was expecting her to put the saber away and then, like, pull out a flower or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's a rabbit. And then go pull a coin out of Palpatine's ear. Yeah. (laughs) What's this doing in there? I also love Palpatine weak. In comes Kylo Ren. I'm sorry, Ben Solo. And I, I dynamite shot of both of them with the sabers up. And I did. I, I'm really into the redeemed Ben Solo, the John Williams, rocking good guy kylo ren music ben solo music i wish we could get a whole movie of good ben solo just doing jedi stuff because i that part when palpatine is like the jedi are dead and you cut to ray's face and then you cut to ben solo's face with ben smiling or smirking almost very han solo-esque and I'm like, no, dude, they are not dead. There's two of them right there. And one of them's wearing sweatpants. <laughs> <laughs> so we can get those high kicks. At, in. They come in and uh, Palpatine's like, ooh, a dyad in the force. Sucks a little bit of their energy and Palpatine's like skeleton fingers start coming back to life. And he's like, oh, I like this. And starts sucking more. Yeah life energy out of him he's like the two that are one will re- restore the true emperor yeah he, I, you gotta love palpatine because it's like i want you to kill ray no 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 now i want ray to kill me no 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 now i'm just gonna suck your life, <laughs> your life out of you and maybe he sucks some of the life out of me too which is i gotta recover from that because yeah it, it gets we are full on on the wild side here at this point in the movie, he's sucking the life out of them. He shoots the lightning into the sky. All the ships are getting electrocuted. The 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 crowd of people in hoods is going nuts because Motley Crue just showed up and they're playing Wild Side. Take a ride on the Wild Side. <laughs> I will say the sound when his lightning shoots into the sky is pretty intense. It's blowing out speakers all across the world. That was that was pretty sweet in the sitting next to the subwoofer in the IMAX. Just yeah, he's like, I'm gonna get rid of the last Skywalker, and he shoots Ben Solo off into like a, a pit, a big open open pit that was just hey chilling out yeah that was kind of far away <laughs> but luckily <laughs> luckily palpatine's a, is a tough guy he could throw him pretty far so now it's just ray and this is like i've said 27 times in this episode already this is my favorite part of the entire movie when she calls out to the past jedi we go up into space we hear this incredible and it's in the the movie's end credits the sound collage that was done by our, our hero, Ben Burt, came back and did this, which is just amazing. And we hear Ewan McGregor, and we hear Qui-Gon Jinn, and I, I don't know, every time I watch this part, I get the goosebumps, I'm smiling, I'm sweating, my legs tense up, 
my eyes start to water. This part, no matter what happens in this movie, I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm sorry. But no matter what happens in this movie, I love it f- for this part. This part just gets me. The Jedi voices. Ahsoka is in there. Hayden Christensen, Anakin Skywalker is in there. Somewhere in the Jedi afterworld, Ahsoka and Anakin are together with Qui-Gon Jinn. And I just spend time thinking about that. And I'm just like, whew. It was nice to hear the voice of Qui-Gon again. Yoda. Kanan is in there. Just in case. <laughs> There's like Aayla Sakura in there. There's like Luminara in there. All the Jedis. Mace Windu. Not Moondi, but we didn't have time for Moondi. Moondi was probably there, but he was too shocked. He was speechless. It's, I, I, I love it so much. And them just telling Ray to get up and we are we we stand behind you, Ray, and all that stuff. And I and like like I said in the beginning of the episode, she gets the lightsaber, starts deflecting the lightning, and then the, the sabers of Luke and Leia and Palpatine's face melts off. And that's <laughs> and that's what it is. Uh, I think Palpatine is supposed to represent the audience at this point and at this you're now after this onslaught, your face is completely melted off your body. Uh, up from the pit uh, comes Ben Solo, and uh, Ray has been pretty much killed at this point. Ben holds Ray, uses healing power, brings Ray back to life. As they're looking at, e- at each other, and Ray looks at him and says, Ben, they kiss. And I love it. Yeah, I was happy that Ben, we got to see Ben back. They got to have their kiss. It's sad that he had to die, especially in a movie where everyone else came back to life. He disappears. Leia disappears at the same time. That's kind of sweet. I get, I totally get people's disappointment with that. Completely understand. And But I also really like that in his final moment, Ben Solo did like that ultimate Jedi act of selflessness, of giving the last bit of life he had to save Rey. So that Ray could continue. He gave himself to her for her life. And then he disappeared. He, he died a Jedi. So what do you think about him not showing up as a force ghost? I spent a lot of time trying to figure this, this out because it was, yeah, I don't know what this means. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either because it would have been cool to see him as a force ghost because it almost would have echoed the ending of Return of the Jedi with, okay, of course there's Obi-Wan Kenobi and there's Yoda. And then Anakin shows up as, you know, neither of those two had a good relationship with Anakin. And just a little bit before that in the movie, they were telling Luke he, he had to kill the him, you know, and then Anakin is with them. And it would have been almost kind of similar to that, but it, you know, it's not like anyone ever said, you've got to go kill Kylo Ren. Yeah. Well, it's, I think that's what, yeah. One of the things it's just, it's strange to me that, cause on one hand I could see where you're like, well, we don't want to just make it exactly return of the Jedi, but it, then Luke and Leia are there. And we've talked about like, it would have been great to see the force ghosts of, of all the Jedis, but they have kind of stuck with the idea that, you really only see force ghosts of people you have interacted with in life. Like Luke only saw Obi-Wan and Yoda and Anakin. And then Luke 
just saw Yoda and, you know, so it makes sense. Okay. Ray's only going to, she can maybe hear all the other spirits, but she's going to see Luke and Leia because those are people that are important to her. But yeah, at that point, Ben was pretty important to her. It seems like Leia and Luke in a way both gave their lives to save Ben. Then why isn't Ben standing there with Luke and Leia? Cause it would mean a lot for Ray to know that Ben's always with her. And then it also, you would think it would mean a lot for ghost Luke and Leia that their one regret life, where one regret in life probably was Ben, them losing Ben. Now they have Ben back. I don't know. It's just, I can't figure out what, (laughs) what the, what is the purpose of him not being there? Like what, what does that mean? I don't know. I don't know. And I, I think the first time I saw it, I was so floored by I was like, oh, look at that, you know, <laughs> Ghost Luke and Leia. Yeah. Look at his hair. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it was. Not that hair. It looks great. But yeah, third, fourth time, start to think about it. And I don't know. I would love to hear an explanation, but it would be cool too because it would be the whole, then with her saying Ray Skywalker would kind of be even cooler because then it would be there's the Skywalkers. And she's with them forever now. They're part of her life. Right. And yeah, and I I feel like maybe that's didn't really, I mean, we're at the end, but we didn't talk about the end that the, she goes to Tatooine, she buries the sabers, and there is a lot of discussion whether is that a happy ending or is that a sad ending? Is Ray all alone? Is she going to go back to her friends? Is she going to live there? Because the lady asked, like, her neighbor comes by, and maybe there would be less confusion and more of a feeling of optimism and happiness if we knew what happened to Ben Solo's spirit since they obviously made the point of him disappearing which in the past means you can come back as a ghost or a voice and you know so you know yeah I, I would like to hear I'd like to know what the what the rationale of that was I, and I I didn't take it as she was staying there at the homestead. I think all, I like all those shots of the homestead has filled with sand and it didn't really seem like she's like, well, I'm moving in this, you know, she wasn't kind of bringing in her DVD collection or anything. And that's right. She wasn't carrying boxes. Yeah. I, I feel like she was there to do, to bury the sabers. And I, I like that. It's just on the other side of the homestead from where, uh, where Shmi was buried. But I, I, didn't, I don't take it as she was staying there. I think she has found her, her people. I think she is, what, whatever happens to the resistance after this movie, I think she is, she, I, I couldn't see her leaving her family, which is, I mean, that's the whole thing of the movie too. It's like the whole message, one of the many messages of the movie that, you know, the family is what you make of it, which I still think is awesome going back to, Again, the core things of George Lucas and like we said at Celebration when when the title came out and people were like, what does it mean? Right. Skywalker. Who's this guy? What's that about? And it's like, well, it's what's the number one thing important to George Lucas? It's his, his children, his adopted children. And those aren't his his blood family, but they're his family and they mean absolutely everything to him. They're the most important thing to him. They're more important than Star Wars or anything. 
And if you're going to honor everything that George Lucas put in that movie, well, you know, telling a story of an adopted family, that's something is essential. And I, I don't know. And I, I like that. And maybe we'll get a Rise of Skywalker special edition <laughs> where maybe they filmed it. And who knows? Maybe, you know, it'll show up on Disney Plus and there'll be Ghost Ben Solo or something. I was thinking about that, that J.J. Abrams doesn't usually do direct. I don't think he's ever done like a director's cut, but it's like, you know, there was so much cut out of this movie that I think I would be fine with a special edition that's like three hours long to to fill out some of those scenes that it might kind of be a little less over the top to let at least a few of the scenes kind of breathe a little bit and get a little more of the connective tissue between the different parts of the movie. And I do like the, the, the shot of the two sons next to BB eight with the two sons looking like BB eight. Well, and I, and I like too how, how much the ending echoes also revenge of the Sith and return of the Jedi somehow at the same time. It's, it's a very third chapter star Wars movie. I will say though, when they cut to the, the ships crashing around just random three planets. I couldn't figure out what that means since all the ships were supposed to be on Exegol, except for the one that went to Kajimi or wherever. Was that the, whatever the planet? Not Kajimi. Uh, yeah, it was Kajimi, right? The one they blew up. Yeah, well, one made it all the way to Bespin. Whatever. Fine. At least I got to see Wicket for half a second. I think that was Wicket, wasn't it? That was Wicket, and if you watch the end credits... Uh, the, the 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 Ewok next to Wicket has the same last name, and I think like the first name is like Patricia or something. So I'm like, that's Wicket's wife. It's not Princess Kanisa, but dang it, it's close enough. Well, you know, we got Ewoks on screen again. You know, we were this close to seeing Sindel on there, and it's all great. She was just out of frame. It, it would have been nice to see Naboo, but you know, th- that's the thing too. I'm not going to start nitpicking and complaining. This could be our longest episode we've ever done. It's fitting. Okay, we, we've hashed through it. We've gone through the entire movie. Final thoughts, Gabe. It feels good to talk about it, to talk through everything. It's still, I mean, I'm going to see it again tomorrow with the family. I'm really curious to see how my kids like it, to get that just kind of pure reaction. I don't think it's going to be my favorite anytime soon, but I'm not going to turn down a new star Wars movie. Like I said, they're all, they're all a gift. They're all different. I got a lot of, a lot of years ahead of me to, uh, develop a relationship with this movie. And we'll see, we'll see how I feel down the road. I guess I, I feel like it the way I felt with crystal skull. It's got problems. It's got real issues. <laughs> it's funky, but I'm, I can, I can call it my friend. I have fun watching it. I have a good time. Well, it's a Star Wars movie, and we've said it a million times. It's not a Star Wars movie if there's not a not a few rough patches here and there. So it's definitely a Star Wars movie. It is a Star Wars movie. <laughs> Star Wars Return of the 
Jedi is here. From its Kenner brings you 65 incredible Star Wars action figures, each sold separately. And now Kenner reveals yet another. From the dark side of the Force, the Supreme Master, the Emperor, and he's yours free. Just by sending five proofs of purchase from any Star Wars action figures to Return of the Jedi, Box 596, Young America, Minnesota. But hurry, this offer will end. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. Okay, iTunes reviews, you know what we're saying, Apple Podcast reviews, once you're done listening, if you go over there and you write something nice, uh, we'll try and read yours on an upcoming show. And make sure you check us out on BlastPointsPodcast.com, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and if you're on Facebook, sign up for the Chill Group, I'm sure there will be a lot of Rise of Skywalker discussion in the near future on the Chill Group. And if you want to support us in a different way, you can head over to our Patreon page uh, where we have individual episodes for every chapter of The Mandalorian. And next week, we got the final season finale of The Mandalorian. <laughs> so, yeah, don't forget about that. Yeah. More Mandalorian coming. That's yeah, true. We're not we're not done with Star Wars yet. Right, right. However you feel about Rise of Skywalker, it really doesn't matter because in seven days you're going to be watching The Mandalorian again. So there's there's no there's no time to rest. Okay, so we're going on our holiday break here coming up, but we will be back with brand new episodes starting on January fourteenth. And in 2020, we've got a whole new year-long series starting where we are going to be doing Saga Year. 12 months, 12 theatrically released movies. Every month, we're going to be talking about one of the Star Wars movies, <laughs> dedicating an entire episode to each to one of them a month. It's, I'm, I don't know, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's our only time this will ever work. <laughs> or we have two years to do this. Before there's 13 Star Wars movies and then it won't work anymore. So we're going to strike while the iron is hot and hit Saga Year, one movie a month. Saga Year. Uh, really, it's going to be good. It's going to be good, folks. Yeah. But we, we've we had a great 2019 and so much of that is because of you folks, the listeners. Um, we can't thank you all enough. The amazing kind words everyone always says to us is unbelievable and we're humbled and shocked yeah. <laughs> no we are so grateful that you people are listening to us our nonsense every week and it's been a great yeah. 2019 it's been a great four years of doing this and we're looking forward to coming back next year and doing it again definitely rise of skywalker and mandalorian 
one-two punch has kind of wiped us out, I think. <laughs> it's going to be nice to have a break <laughs> and just recharge and uh, come back strong in January. Yeah. And we still have another uh, another episode for the last, uh, the last Mandalorian chapter, so yeah. we're not even really done. <laughs> yeah, we're not even really done, right? There's that old... One little end of the year treat yeah. with the final Mandalorian episode. Yeah, but seriously, the Blast Points listeners and fans, I think, are the coolest people, Star Wars fans, I've I have seen anywhere. So thank you everyone so yeah. much. I agree. Yeah. When we started doing this, we didn't know if anyone would be listening. And now there are people listening and they're the best people. So yeah. we couldn't have wished for anything more. So yeah, have a good uh holiday and new year and watch rise of skywalker watch mandalorian spend a couple days sleeping (laughs) (laughs) drink your fluids get ready for next year yeah who knows what's coming there's only like nine months till celebration so it's time to start planning oh god all right (laughs) all right thank you thank you thank you thank you everyone bye bye may the force be with you goodbye old friend May the force be with you. dark side the light side one is selfless one is selfish and you want to keep them in balance what happens when you go to the dark side is it goes out of balance and then you get really selfish and you forget about everybody and you ultimately lead yourself because when you get selfish you get stuff or you want stuff mm-hmm. and when you want stuff and you get stuff then you get are afraid somebody's going to take it away from you whether it's a person or a thing or a particular pleasure experience. Once you become afraid that somebody's going to take it away from you or you're going to lose it, then you start to become angry. Especially if you're losing it. And that anger leads to hate. And hate leads to suffering. Mostly on the part of the person who's selfish. Because you spend all your time being afraid of losing everything you've got instead of actually living or joy by giving to other people you can't think about yourself and therefore there's no pain but the pleasure factor of greed and of selfishness Mm -hmm. is a short-lived experience therefore you're constantly trying to replenish it but of course the more you replenish it the harder it is to so you have to keep up in the ante you're actually afraid of the pain of not having Uh the joy so that is ultimately the core of the whole dark side, light side of the force. Amen. Now let us pray. <laughs> <laughs>
Remember, the Force will be with you, always. May the Force be with you. 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 May the Force be with you, Master. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with us. May the Force be with us all. May the Force be with all of you.